<laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Father. Help our hearts to be open to what you want to do today, Lord. Do anything but nothing. <laughs> Don't let us leave how we came, God. Our hearts cry as we conform to the image of your Son. So do what you want to do today, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Kids who are fifth grade and younger, you are welcome to be dismissed to Children's Church. If you're visiting with us, the kids head right up these stairs. And if you want to see where they're headed, you want to see the classroom, you're welcome to see that. And they'll rejoin us at the end. The herd. <laughs> so good. Um, so it occurred to me about a week ago, um, maybe, I, maybe I was going to have someone come and speak this Sunday. Because I was like, you know, you know, my dad's memorial service yesterday. And I thought, I want to have someone awesome come, um, which can happen from inside the house. Because we've got awesome people inside the house that can minister. But immediately I've, I've been thinking for a long time that my friend Sarah, who's back there with a whole brood, um, we've been friends forever. She is, yay, Sarah's in the house. Um, she, we've been friends for a long time. I think she was, were you a freshman in college when I met you? Yeah, she was on drums. I was the associate pastor in Ann Arbor. But God has raised her up mighty, and she's been now the um, campus pastor at EMU for, is it 10 years? How long has it been? A long time, a decade plus. 14, how is that possible? 14 years ministering there on the campus at EMU. And during that time, she met a man named Daniel Jackson. And so, you know, on Facebook, we get to track everybody and stay connected to friends, even if we're not calling every weekend. Um, and so it's been fun to see their ministries kind of melt together. But Daniel specifically has a gift for evangelism. So for a while, I thought, we need to have Daniel come out because that's where God's really stirring up our hearts is we believe all the stuff. We want to see the demonstration of his glory now bring people into his kingdom. Um, and I think when you, you can talk about it, but having someone who is gifted, supernaturally gifted by the Holy Spirit, who operates in that, come and see that into you, that's a whole different level, right? Because we can all go to scripture and see you know, learn about evangelism. But how many of you know, when you have someone who's supernaturally gifted in something and they've been walking it out, they come and see that into you, it's next level. That's next level. And so I've been thinking it for a while. So last week I thought it was maybe like six days out. I thought it's impossible Daniel could come next Sunday. I've been thinking about this for a long time, but just lo and behold, maybe it's that crazy time of year where people are on vacation, that kind of stuff. He had it open. He had it open and he said yes with that little notice. And so I just want you guys to open up your hearts and minds. How many of you know, like we, we need to receive in this area. God, how do we share you in a way that's not forced and awkward and weird, but it flows out of who you've made us to be? Rivers of living water are just coming out of us, right? So I think all of us are ready to grow in that. And so would you just, man, would you just put your hand over your heart and we're just gonna pray right now that we could receive what God has for us. Father, our hearts are open. Holy Spirit, you can see the ways that maybe they aren't open, God, or there's fear, whatever. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we just pray over our heart, we pray over our mind, and we say receive. Receive what the Lord has. Receive what the Lord has for you, heart. Receive what the Lord has for you, mind. Father, help our hearts to be good soil 
where this seed can grow deep roots and we can learn how to walk with you in the one mission you gave us to make disciples. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Daniel, come on up. We're ready for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. I am uh, so excited to be here this morning, and I'm uh, very excited that my wife is here. I think she might have just gone upstairs, though. <laughs> Uh, first, I just I do want to just honor the house and just your investment into um, my family, even before I had a family. <laughs> so I want to thank you for the ways that you've just um, been a constant encouragement to my wife and her ministry and her walk of faith. Thank you so much. And I just uh, I want to honor this house as well. I can tell that this is truly a, a, a presence-driven house, that I feel the presence of God in here. I feel the love of God. And I just, um, I just recognize that when you know when you travel and you go to different churches and ministries, and um, it's something it's it's something unique and special to to connect with a community of believers that are so passionate about the love of God, and passionate about to be and passionate to be a witness of His love. Amen. And so I just want to honor you and honor the work that God is doing through this ministry to touch this community to change the world for Jesus. Amen. This is a powerhouse in Jesus' name. <laughs> um, well, let me just share just a little bit of, of who I am so you have a little bit of understanding of where I'm coming from and what has been some of the catalysts to bring me to where I'm at right now in uh, doing ministry. I lead a, uh, a nonprofit organization that's uh, solely focused on community transformation. And we're never gonna see our communities changed and transformed until hearts are changed and transformed. And that's not gonna happen until the gospel goes forward because it's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation, amen? So it doesn't matter how much money, resources, time, energy you throw at the problem until the hearts are changed. Come on, Jesus. We're not gonna see the real transformation break out. So it's so significant that, um, that as we move forward, uh, that God continues to pour grace on this message of grace, amen? The message of reconciliation, the gospel, which is just the heart of, of God, who is passionate about um, us not just coming into the kingdom, not us just getting a ticket into heaven, right? Those are all great things, amen? <laughs> Right? But how many of you know that the gospel of the kingdom is greater than just a ticket into heaven? Come on, Jesus. It's a transformed life. It's every area of our life being influenced and touched by the love and the power of God, by the very promises and presence of God. Amen? And there's hope no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we're going through. You know, Jesus teaches us to pray in this way, he says, pray in this way, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is more than just a nice idea for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is absolutely the will of God. And that demands hope from us. 
that requires hope from us because it means that whatever's going on in our life that doesn't look like heaven on earth, come on Jesus, we have a right, we have a permission and uh, we are exhorted and even commanded to pray and contend for God's best, right? And that's the message of the gospel. It's not just a ticket into heaven, it's, it's literally every area of our life will come under his lordship, hallelujah. And so that's good news. That's good news that literally changes and transforms a sinner into a saint. That's good news that breaks off addiction. That's good news that literally breaks off different areas of depression and oppression off of our lives. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Yes, Lord. So um, I want to share just a quick testimony and then I'll get into the bulk of the message today and I, I won't keep you too long. Um, but we started a, a ministry a couple years back and I just realized that as we're going after community transformation, really we need to be anchored in this message of the, of the message of transformation, which is the gospel. And so that's often what I do as I go to different churches and ministries and I help to mobilize the body of Christ to engage, come on, our communities, our cities, the nations. And uh, it's exciting because there is literally an army of people that love Jesus, that love God. And with God and with his, um, with just a, a clarity of his mission and his heart and his intentions towards us and towards the world around us, all of a sudden we begin to awaken to the reality that each one of us are a minister of God. Each one of us is to be used by God, is to co-labor with him. And so, uh, the name of the ministry I lead is called Awaken Ministries, and really we're about awakening the ministry of the believer. And, um, and so a couple years back, I had a, a, a pretty radical encounter with God. Um, up until that time, I was about 20 years old. I'm 36 now, so it's a couple years back, I guess now. Every time I share it, it keeps getting further and further out. <laughs> um, but I had a pretty radical encounter with God. Uh, up until that time, I had... Um, Got into a lot of trouble. Um, I was actually locked up in 16, I was locked up 16 different times in the juvenile detention facility. And then I graduated into the adult system with a felony charges. You know, you can graduate into, it wasn't good. <laughs> um, at that same time, I also struggled with various forms of mental illness. It started from depression, then manic depression, then bipolar, then something called schizoaffective disorder, which is like a combination between a type of bipolar and schizophrenia. I was hospitalized 13 different times in the psychiatric ward. Um, at that same time, I also uh, I had the, a genius idea to self-medicate. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Um, uh, I struggled with drug addiction. And I, was, I went to seven different rehabilitation facilities from age 13 to 20. So from in and out of lockup to in and out of hospitals to um, uh, different programs, uh, that was my whole adolescent. And then through a set of circumstances, I wind up going to this church. And at this, um, I had just got out of the hospital. I had a, um, a overdose on about 64 pills and attempted suicide. Um, after my family, really my mom said it was just, it was too much for her. After, you know, seven years of psychiatrists, therapists, doctors, programs, and I'm still, 
it was just too much for her. And she just had to do the, probably the hardest thing that um, I could imagine that she had to do, which was to ask me to no longer be part of the family. And she got a restraining order. I was never violent towards her, but it was just too much. And, um, and I didn't take that very well. And so after I learned um, enough by going through all these programs and stuff, you know, you, you, you get into these systems and you begin to learn over time how to, how to say the right things. And you can say all the right things, but inside you're just broken. But you can fool a lot of people, but you know, you can't fool yourself and you definitely can't fool God. Um, but I knew enough of what to say so I didn't have to go to another program. And I was old enough that I didn't have to, uh, again, go to another um, institution. And so, again, through a set of circumstances, I found myself at a church. And I remember at this service, it was a kind of a unique service. I had been to church before and I had believed the gospel. Really, the message that I knew about the gospel was just the forgiveness of sin. So you didn't really have to convince me that I was a sinner and needed a, and needed a savior. I think I got saved every time there was an altar call. And every time I was locked up, there was you know, service in the juvenile detention. So I would go up to the front and I must've got saved at least 20 or 30 times. <laughs> um, I just didn't fully understand what it meant to really walk with Jesus. And the message I heard was a message of forgiveness of sins and really a ticket into heaven, but I didn't really get the full message. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And so I remember, um, going to this service and somebody stands up after the worship time and the pastor's about to preach and they stand up and they interrupt the service and they point to a man in a wheelchair and they said, God spoke to me and if, we, if we'll as a church pray for this man, God showed me that he'll uh, heal him and he'll walk down the aisle. Now I'm just watching this. I've never seen anything like this before. And they start praying for this man and as they pray for him, um, I watch him get out of his wheelchair and I watch him walk down the aisle. And they, and they turned the service into a healing service. And I, I knew I needed a lot of healing, <laughs> a different type of healing. And um, I was really scared because uh, they're like, does anybody want healing, you know, come forward? But I was so scared and somebody came up to me and said, will you go up there? I really wanted to go up there. And so they grabbed me by the hand and they brought me to the front and they prayed for me. And I remember that as they prayed for me, I felt like this liquid love. I don't know how else to describe it except like, like a liquid love came over my whole being. And, um, and I've never been the same since. God brought instant uh, deliverance and healing into my life. Um, God did in one, in one encounter, what over seven years of psychiatrists, therapists, programs, AA, NA, <laughs> um, couldn't touch. Hallelujah, God's love is tangible. And the message that we have is powerful and it's transformative in its very nature and it's more than just a ticket into heaven. Come on, Jesus. Now it's been over, uh, I guess, 16 years, keep getting older. And, um, and I've never uh, been hospitalized since. I've never needed medication since. I've never uh, relapsed since, never been, never uh, went back to drugs, was fully reconciled back to my family. And I didn't even know what evangelism was, but I became an instant evangelist. And then later, later on, I learned there was a term called evangelism. But basically, I just had this encounter and I had this epiphany that if God could do it for me, he could do it for somebody else. 
And I was just thinking about all of the people that I've met, all the people that I knew that were struggling, that people had given up on, right? And, um, and I was thinking, man, if God can do this, I didn't even realize this was possible. Like the world needs to know about this, you know? And so I just did the most natural thing it, feel, it felt like, which was to go and tell everybody that would listen about Jesus and tell people that wouldn't listen about Jesus too. <laughs> and, um, and that kind of began my, my uh, uh, journey. And, um, you know, I, the more and more I've uh, thought about this and uh, contemplated what was the catalyst, it, for me, it was more of awakening to the love of God. You know, I believe that we need to have an encounter so we can be an encounter. It's hard to give away what, we, what you haven't received. And, um, and it's hard to know what God has actually given to you if all you're told is, hey, you know, just say this prayer and you're good. And you don't get the rest of the story. And you're not introduced to a God who's passionate about you and loves you and wants to see every part of your life come under uh, his blessing his goodness. You know, we, we talk about, um, you know, this, this scripture where it says, you know, God makes all things new. How many of you know God makes all things new, right? How many of you want God to make all things new in your life? Hallelujah. Um, but I, the more and more I've been coming into um, a better understanding of the gospel message, the more I've, I, I realize that if we want all things to be made new, what that means and what that requires is that we have to be willing to lay down all things that he can make it new. We gotta, we gotta be all in for Jesus. We gotta surrender our ways of doing life, our ways of trying to care for ourselves, self-love, self-care that has been totally distorted by the examples the world has given us. Amen? And we need to allow Jesus, come on, to be the center of everything that we're doing. Everybody wants to go to heaven. You know why? Because heaven's amazing. There's like joy. There's peace. There's like streets of gold. I mean, it's amazing. You know, it says that he'll wipe away every tear. Heaven is not going to be boring. It's going to be amazing, right? And if you think about it, the reason why it's amazing is because Jesus, because our heavenly father has a perfect um, design of how things ought to be. Right. Come on. Yeah. It says in one place in the scriptures, it says that when the righteous lead, the people rejoice. Yeah. And that's what coming under his lordship and, and coming into the gospel is really all about, is coming into a place where we allow him to lead mm -hmm. our lives. And then he ushers us into the fullness of every good thing he has for us. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. And so if we believe that, this, that the gospel is true, we believe that God isn't just a fairy tale, a nice idea, a good philosophy, a set of morals, but we awaken to this reality that he, he really is, that God is real and his love is tangible. It's tangible enough to literally uh, heal a broken body and see somebody come up out of a wheelchair. It's tangible enough to break chains of addiction and bondage and to break off you know, various forms of mental illness. His love is tangible. We serve a good God who's in a good mood and doing good things. 
Hallelujah. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a miracle working God. He's never changed. You know, I think the reality is that we just haven't fully awakened to understanding who he really is. The scripture says that those that know their God would do great exploits. I think there's, a, there's an awakening coming to the body of Christ where we begin to awaken to the reality of who's with us. And more importantly, who's in us. Hallelujah. It's a game changer. Hallelujah. So I want to share just a few testimonies. Um, and, um, and then we'll kind of get into this. Let me just read a quick scripture that I'm sure you're all familiar with. But I just want to read it and then pray. And then we'll go. I'll share some of these testimonies. <clears throat> so this is in uh, Matthew 28, 18. It said, and Jesus came and spoke unto them saying, and this is essentially his, you know, last words before he ascended to the right hand of the father. And he spoke to uh, his disciples, apostles. And he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Father, I just pray in this time, uh, Father, I pray that there would be a release of grace. Father, more than information, I pray that there would be a divine impartation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. Amen. Amen. So I believe that some messages are taught and some messages are caught. Right. So this is going to be one I believe that you're going to have to catch. <laughs> um, so let me just share a few testimonies. Um, uh, what I appreciate about the testimony is, again, I think sometimes when people hear testimonies, they think of, wow, that's really good for you and what God did for you. And we can kind of applaud that. But the reality is that when you hear anyone's testimony, it's not a testimony of them. It's a testimony of God. Right. It's a testimony of the God that we serve. That means that it's the testimony of the God that you serve and what he's able to do in and through you because he's not a respecter of persons. And you don't have to have a Ph.D. in systematic theology to be used by God. Come on, Jesus. You just got to be willing and open. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So um, uh, not really having a lot of, uh, you know, not having a Ph.D. in systematic theology, <laughs> but having an encounter with Jesus and just beginning to start there. Um, God has in opened so many doors of being able to travel around um, the United States and now the, the world and doing outreach and evangelism. And over time, you begin to learn um, about the character and nature of God. And God just, you know, begins to continue to reveal his goodness. He's a lot better than often we think and uh, we imagine. Um, I had opportunity a while back to connect with uh, Joe Sazak. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Pastor Joe, um, but he's awesome. Um, I met him a while back and I was doing these, I decided to do these, these, these tent revival meetings um, with a church that I was a part of and it was a charismatic Presbyterian church. And I, I asked if I could do a healing service and they're like, sure. 
I think it was the first, one of the first ones that they did. So I did like a three-day healing service. And, um, and God moved powerfully. And then I thought, let's take it to the next level. Let's take what God's doing in here and let's bring it out there. And so in Ypsilanti, I thought, where's the most challenging place in Ypsilanti? Because I kind of have this heart for like, let me go to the most challenging places because God is big and because we can. <laughs> and light, it was to say that um, uh, grace um, abounds, uh, where sin abounds, grace abounds the much more. Hallelujah. So we set up this tent revival thing and miracles broke out and it was amazing. Talked to Pastor Joe. He's like, Daniel, I've been getting all these prophetic words about tents and stuff. And you got to come out to Detroit and we got to do this tent revival thing. And he had been connecting with about 30 plus pastors and leaders in the, in the metro Detroit area. And they targeted the most violent neighborhoods in Detroit, which happened to be at the time the Detroit held the four most violent neighborhoods on our entire nation. And so what a great place to share the gospel. Yeah, Hallelujah. So, um, so we went out there and we set up some, uh, some tents and we did like this week-long worship, prayer, and then, we, and then we got to do the fun part, which is the part that I like. I like everything. But we got to go out into the community. And um, one of the testimonies uh, uh, was... Um, <clears throat> One of the testimonies that happened was uh, we decided to, to get these, a sound system. And I think I had this idea watching, I don't know, some television show, but they had, we got a Jeep, put a sound system in the back and decided to do open air preaching and drive up and down the neighborhood. And I got a crew of people that would knock on doors while we're doing that. And then Pastor Joe had literally a ton of food, literally a, like a, I think a ton is like a thousand, maybe not, don't quote me, but it's a lot of food. And, um, and in the back of a, of a truck, and then we went down, so we had like a little parade of food and a little army of people and then open air preaching and saying, come out of your houses. We serve a miracle working God. And he heals and he delivers. Come out, receive prayer. And I just we started sharing the gospel. And, and people started coming out of their houses and their homes and, um, and getting healed right out there and then coming up and giving their lives to Jesus and I don't know if what we were doing was even legal the police came by we're on top of this this jeep and preaching our hearts and they just kind of put the thumbs up and they kept going <laughs> and then we had um one of one of the uh there's a you know a drug dealer and he was kind of posted up and uh, and so we you know thought let's go pray for him and the first day he's like no I'm good but you know, what you guys are doing, um, we really need this. And, um, and the second day we saw him again and we said, hey, can we, can we um, pray for him? He's like, yeah. And I said, what would you like prayer for? And he says, I want to, I, I, I want to, I want to get right with God. And, um, and then he pointed to, he had a, like a, a pile of drugs right there. <laughs> Just kind of open with it. But he's, I said, and I said, so, you, and you want to get rid of this stuff? He's like, yeah, and I want a fresh start. I want to get right with God and got a chance to pray with him. But it was just amazing. We, we connected with so many churches. Um, we had individuals that were on their way literally to take their lives. Um, God divinely intercepted them. And um, it was powerful. Fast forward a few, a few um, 
years later, there was this huge gathering in Detroit where they had the, it was the largest public satanic gathering that happened. I don't know if you guys heard about that. There was a huge statue and made like national headlines, but they brought this huge gathering to Detroit to do this unveiling of this demonic thing. And, um, and I happened to know one of the, um, the chaplains that was the chief chaplain for the metro, for the Detroit area because it was a it was a public event but it was I guess they were getting death threats from some of the Christians that hadn't read their Bible. <laughs> they missed the story about it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. <laughs> and so um, they literally had to like vet a lot of people because they were having death threats from well-meaning Christians that didn't read their Bible. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I talked with him and, uh, cause they, uh, and I said, can you, um, can you give me the address? And he's like, well, I can't technically give you the, the name, but if I could, I might know somebody that might this and that. And he kind of set it, set it up. So he basically gave me the information. <laughs> And, um, and then we went on this. I got a crew of, of people. There was nine of us. And we said, we're going to go into those places and we're going to share the love of God. And we asked God to show us his heart for them. And he began to show us this picture of, of like these, his, the, them as his children, his lost children, and that he wanted them home. And, um, and so we didn't come to like protest or to say, hey, look at all the things you're doing wrong. We came instead with a spirit of humility and grace and love to come and serve and reach out to them. And so we did that very thing. And, um, and I, after, it was kind of a journey of going from different spot to actually find the place, but I knew we were in the right spot. It was like one o'clock in the morning and there was a guy with horns on his head um, and all these satanic you know, stuff on him. And then another person was walking down the street and they had like a full, like uh, ceremonial garbs and stuff, and it was just, it was really wild. So I, I introduced myself to this guy. I said, hey, how are you doing? What's your name? He says, I'm the devil. And I said, oh, it's so nice to meet you. I'm Daniel, because he's not the devil, right? And um, I said, I'm just out here with a couple of my friends, and and I just made some small talk. I said, how's, how's the night going? You know, how's it going? It's like one o'clock. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and he's like, yeah, it's been, been kind of good. And, and I said, well, you know, would it be okay if, if, if we just spoke a blessing over you? You know, we just, you know, try to be an encouragement. And he kind of looks at me. He folds his arm and first he says no. And then he kind of looks at me. He's like, all right, I think he just wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> and, um, and his, all of his friends were like standoffish. Um, and so I just began to speak God's identity over him and his value and his worth in my prayer. And as I'm praying for him, his countenance and his, his um, dispositions begins to shift. By the end of it, he turns to me and he just, and he says, um, thank you. And his whole, I mean, he was, kind of, he was a little hostile at first, but then he was like, thank you. Like that really encouraged me. And then his friends came up and we got a chance to pray for a number of other people. And then I prayed for this one guy that was, I guess, um, a satanic priest. And he allowed me to pray for it. But it was really interesting because as he was, 
um, sharing his story because uh, I just asked him, hey, can I, can I speak a blessing over you? He says, well, I don't believe in any of that stuff. And I, I said, well, that's okay. Um, and he says, um, and eventually he says, well, yeah, you can pray over him. You can, um, you can speak a blessing over me as long as it comes from you. And I says, well, it can come from me. It doesn't have to come from anybody else. But I know if it comes from me, it comes from God. And so, um, so I asked him what he would like prayer for. And he was probably one of the most vulnerable, uh, one of the most, he, he was, how do I say, he was extremely vulnerable in how he shared. It was like there was no filter. There was no shame of the stuff he was facing. You know, sometimes in church, you can be, it can be scary to open up. Because we say we love one another and it's a safe place, but sometimes it can be scary because you don't know, you know, if people are going to judge you. But he was so open. I prayed for him and uh, he gave me a big hug af afterwards. Um, we, we moved forward and um, uh, one of the pastors I was with, she just felt like this dark presence. And it was this girl, I guess, and they were talking to her, this, this girl. And we go up to, to this girl and she winds up um, uh, sharing her friend says, you know, I think we're going to have to call the ambulance because I think she's, she's going to take her life and I don't know what to do. And she's trying to talk her down and she's a practicing Satanist. She allows us, um, over time to pray with her. She starts weeping as the presence of God touches her and her friend starts thanking us and hugging us. She's like, I didn't know what to do. And this is so God. And I'm like, don't you, I was going to say in my heart, she has Satan. Um, but to make a long story short, we, we wind up having another encounter where uh, I, I noticed that if you, if you pretend that you know what you're doing in places, you can usually just walk into places. So they had these guards at the the building that was guarding this party that they were in. And I just pretended that I just owned the place, right? Because um, I heard about that in a story of how these guys snuck into a place. They just looked professional and they walked right in. So I just did the same thing and they didn't say anything. And the rest of my friends, they weren't able to get in. And, um, and we pray for this lady. Um, I had a chance to pray for this lady and there's like these upside down crosses and this statue and all this crazy stuff going on. It's like out of a movie and God heals her. Um, and then after all of that, this guy comes up to me and he starts to want to start a fight. And I don't say anything. My friends are there and he starts yelling at me and he starts like really going off and I don't say anything. And this other guy comes up and he yells at this guy. He says, you don't say a word to these guys. They've done nothing but love us while, um, while they've been here. And he just shut them all down. And I guess he was a founder of a satanic temple um, in maybe in New Orleans. And he told one of our, our, our team, he said, you know, I don't believe in Jesus. But he said, if Jesus were real, he would look like you guys. And it was one of the most powerful compliments that I feel like I've ever gotten from our team in going and doing ministry. And I share these stories, this, this story, just to share you know, um, doing evangelism and doing outreach is, at the end of the day, it's not a special formula. It's just learning to love the person that's in front of you. That's, it's, it can be simplified into just that, that alone. And sometimes we don't know what love looks like. So what we do is that we ask Jesus and we ask the Holy Spirit and we say, God, how do I love this one? What do you think about this one? 
And from that place, you begin to, God gives you really good information and insight to know how to come and serve that individual. And then through that, there's opportunity to open up and share the gospel message. Amen. Share a few more testimonies and then um, kind of wrap this up. Um, we were doing this thing uh, uh, in, um, in Ypsilanti where we decided to do uh, 30 days of evangelism and hours because I thought like I need to like I want to baptize myself and baptize my family in an Isaiah 58 fast which was the very scripture that led me to first start going out and sharing the gospel when I was learning about fasting and you're saying this is the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of injustice to to take in the um, uh, the homeless in essence and to feed the hungry and to remove the heavy burdens. And I'm like, as you, as you read that, you begin to realize like, that's just ministry. Like just, that's just ministering the love of God to people. And so I began to go out into the community. And so I, I talked to my wife and I talked to a couple of the, the pastors. And, and for me, I believe there's like two types of ministry, if, if I can say it this way. There's, there's like the organic lifestyle, evangelism, outreach missions, where wherever you go, you're just open to the Holy Spirit. And so you go shopping, you say, God, what are you doing here? You go to work, God, what are you doing here? Right? You go home, you say, God, what are you doing here? <laughs> right? And then from that place, you begin to co-labor with God to see the kingdom um, move forward. Amen? But then there's these, these other types of ministry where I call in, intentional ministry, where it would be more um, defined as like a God-given assignment. You know, I'm not going to the satanic gathering because that's on my way to the store. Like I had to go out of my way to get there. And I probably wouldn't go there just because. I'm going for a stroll. Like God had to speak to my heart and give me vision and give, and give our team direction. Does that make sense? And so I believe that God has various assignments for really each one of us. And so one of the things that he put in our heart was like, let's, let's on purpose set out time, be intentional to do this ministry or this type of outreach. It's not a religious thing. It's God gave you an assignment. What's happening right now is because somebody organized, somebody thought about this. There's leadership, there's structure. Does that make sense? So sometimes I think when we think about structure and organization, we feel like, that can't be organic and, you know, and that's not real ministry. Does that make sense? But there's assignments that God gives you. So we had this idea that like, what if we went out Washington Street and if you're familiar with Ypsilanti, there's a strip club right there on Washington Street called Deja Vu and there's a couple bars and it's in Ipsy. It's one of those areas that they do parties and different stuff. But I'm like, what if we did a three-day revival service right there? What if we just... They're, they're doing their, their thing with the music. Why don't we rent it out? Like, could we do that? Just kind of dreaming with God. And so I went to uh, City Hall and they said yes. And so we literally blocked down the street, the whole street, set up a stage. I put a banner over the thing. We got a worship team and we just had a revival service right in the middle of the city, right in the middle of the street, um, right next to Deja Vu, right next to the the bars and um, they could hear us from the highway because we had the speakers out there and so people were coming out of the clubs 
and getting prayer and getting healed. And one lady got out of the wheelchair and it was just amazing. And it was like there was literally dancing and rejoicing in the streets. And so that's how we kind of ended our 30 days. And throughout that, that week, me and my wife, every day, we brought our family and some friends and we had some type of ministry in the, in the park or downtown every single day on purpose. And uh, we saw people come to, to, to Jesus. One, we started doing baptisms in the river. And one day I remember thinking, oh, I just want to go home. We've been out, it's been like day 20. <laughs> I'm tired. And, uh, and, but we'll do one last altar call. And, um, and we're like, let's just, you know, if anybody wants the, the Holy Spirit, we'll talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And, and all of a sudden, these, these three kids come running up and they fall down on their knees, literally, and they want to give their life to Jesus. And so we share the gospel with them. They give their life. And then right there, impromptu, they're like, we want to get baptized right now. So we just, in our pants and go right into the river. They took off their shirt and just went right in and we baptized them right there. Um, I share that just, I share that again, these, because I believe there's a way to walk with God where it's not just that, you know, how do I say it? There's different ways to, to interact or to co-labor with God in the area of evangelism, mission, and outreach. One way is you just read the Bible and it says go, so you go. Does that make sense? You don't need an angel of the Lord to appear. You don't need to have the, 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 the manifest glory of God show up for you to share the gospel. This is our assignment. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to make disciples that make disi disciples, amen? That's all of our work, right? So there's a place just in the word. There's another place where God prompts you and all of a sudden you're like, you're just trying to go home, but God says, I want you to go and I want you to go over to Susie's house and pray for them or call so-and-so and pray and minister. How many of you can relate to times where God just kind of interrupted your day, your flow, what you planned, and he said, I want you to help this person, yeah. right? And then there's other times where you where you're in a place and you're like, I have no idea what to do. And then I call that, you just ask for directions. <laughs> Oftentimes when I'm actually going to a church service, I'll operate in that place. I'll say, God, what are you doing there? Right? What do you want me to share? How do you want me to, to minister? What is, what's, what's going on here? How can I partner with your heart? And so I ask him and there's a scripture that says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask, yeah. right? Does that make sense? So you have permission when God's not necessarily speaking to you, you can engage him. Does that make sense? And then there's this other place where um, I call dreaming with God. And I actually didn't know about this because uh, what I culturally was kind of taught was listen and obey. How many of you, oh, you are familiar with that? And there's some teaching that actually says, God's not just gonna bless whatever you wanna do. You, you, gotta, you gotta be like a servant. You listen to the master and you do what he says. You listen and obey. And it's like, and they're, and they're absolutely right. There's a place where that's totally, absolutely scriptural and doctrinal and right. And that's how we, act, we interact with God as God gives us these assignments. <clears throat> but there's another place where I call it dreaming with God and it comes out of the scripture where Jesus says, ask whatever you wish. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And some scripture says, ask whatever you desire. 
Now that's not saying go and ask for a Rolls Royce or whatever, right? In a selfish place. He's saying there's a place in God where as long as it's in the will of God, the ways of God, the character of God, the word of God, as long as it's in that box, right? You can dream as big as you can dream. And God is giving you permission to dream with him. Does that make sense? So this is a realm of actually knowing who you are as a son and a daughter and knowing that God has made available to you um, a place in him to dream with him. Yeah. You know, what's in your heart? Had it in his, you know, it said that David had it, it said the scripture that David had it in his heart. You know, there's no actual scriptural place where, where, where the Lord told uh, King David to bring the worshipers into you know, before the ark, actually scripturally, it was um, anti-biblical, <laughs> right? But because he had a relationship with God and in prayer, he realized, God, this is the heart of God, that his house is a house of prayer for all nations. And he began to see the value of worship and prayer. And so as he had it in his heart. He saw what, the, what was the will of God, the word of God, the character of God, the nature of God in that place. He began to dream with him. You, you think of blind Bartimaeus who cried out. Jesus intended to walk by. God had a plan, had an assignment. Jesus was on a mission. But because of his faith and because he knew, in essence, the character of God, that God was good, that it was the will of God for healing and deliverance to break forth, that through radical faith, he could move the heart of God. And all of a sudden, it became the perfect and divine will of God yeah. to the place where God celebrates that. Right, right. And I believe God wants to provoke us in and source to dream with him. Yeah. What's possible with him? If we believe, in essence, that God is all-powerful, if we believe that it's not just a nice idea, right, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that whatever's going on down here that isn't going on up there, we have a right, we have permission to confront the, those powers that be. There's not a stronghold in our community that God isn't bigger than. It doesn't matter what it is, what the giant is, God's bigger than those things, right? You know, the destiny of our community isn't in the hands of some corrupt politicians. It's in the hands of the church. It's in the hands of those that know who their God is and say, God, here I am. This is our assignment. This is our mission to, to literally disciple nations, right? What does that look like for our community? What does that look like for this community? And so I believe that there's a place that God is saying, I want you to dream with me. That's what he's saying. And through that place, I believe there's these divine assignments. It may, it may be that God has put something in your heart that says, you know, what if, what if we just took over the, the block for a week? Or what if we started reaching out to law enforcement and we started praying for them and building a relationship with them and we start contending for our communities in that type of way? Or, or what if we begin to dream with God and we begin to identify the hot spots, the, the, cha the most challenging and you know, oppressive places within our community? And we said, you know what? Not on my, our watch. And we said, and we drew a line in the sand and we said enough is enough and we started going into those places. Yeah. What if we did that with our families and we came alongside and we served them and we begin to have vision yeah. for our families and for our communities. It is not the will of God. You know, like this is something that I, I awakened to when I had that encounter that it was not the will of God for me to be clinically depressed. 
it is not the will of God. It was not the will of God for me to live in a realm of hopelessness. That's not the heart of God or to be bound by drug addiction. That's not the will of God. But I didn't realize there was something more to the gospel message than just the forgiveness of sins. And knowing I'm accepted, yeah, great, I'm accepted. Praise God, I received that. But I'm still in my brokenness. I need Jesus to break those chains. And that's why I was so depressed because I, I tried everything I could to get free. But it wasn't until Jesus came and set me free that I became free. Yeah. That's the message that each one of us get to carry as we partner with the very heart of God. This is the essence, I believe, of true evangelism. It's learning to love the one that God puts in front of you. It's a lifestyle of wherever you go, sharing your faith, sharing the gospel, right? But it's also, I believe, like God giving you these divine assignments. And even this realm where you were just dreaming with him, what's possible with him? And knowing that it's not presumptuous just to say, you know what? We're gonna, we had it in our heart to do a 30 day thing. I didn't hear a thus saith the Lord. We had it in our heart just dreaming with God and realizing that's a way that God speaks to us. That's just as valid. And he's, I believe, trying to provoke us. And so I believe, um, and I'll end with this, that I believe that there are dreams hidden in the hearts of every person here. There's vision that God's put in your heart, I believe. And you don't have to have it all together to be used by God. You don't have to have gone to college, you know, and have a PhD and, you know, have all the special titles. You know, right now, we're literally uh, mobilizing hundreds of churches in the, in the Chicagoland area because of a dreaming with God. Yeah. You know, and I just met with the mayor and the liaison to the mayor's office. And I'm like, what am I doing meeting with the, ma the, the mayor, you know? <laughs> And they're, uh, and, and they're saying, how do we partner with what you're doing? Like they're reaching out to the church yeah. because we're starting to go into those places because we're like, because we reached out at one point and we said, what are the most violent areas of your community? And we started mobilizing the church almost in a militant form. And we say, we're going to go out there. We did this week long thing, dreaming with God close to 150 outreaches in one week, 24 wow. seven worship and prayer because we were dreaming with God and we began to work together, what would it look like if we really began to mobilize the people of God right. with what he's put in your hearts, with what he's put in there? We can all get involved. Yeah. We can all get out there and engage the community. So I want to finish with that and I just want to pray into this. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So my question to you is what has God put in your heart? And are you willing to dream with him? And are you persuaded yet that he's real and that he's good and that he wants to literally transform not only lives, but I believe whole cities and nations to his glory. Father, I pray right now, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, for just breakthrough to come right now in Jesus' name. I believe that there's those that are in here that have had dreams in their heart but through maybe fear or insecurity or this unrealistic expectation of themselves for perfection, they 
haven't stepped out or stepped forward or gone after that. Father, I pray, I pray that you would just begin to break off those fears. I pray that right now that you begin to break off insecurity. Father, I, begin to, I pray that you begin to release a spirit of faith in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I just think of how David as a worshiper of God, when he saw the giant, he just responded like, not on my watch. Father, I, pray, I believe that there are Davids here in the room right now, and I pray for courage to come over their hearts in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you that we don't get a junior Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. Father, if you're with us, then all things are possible. And I pray, Father, that this house, even as an apostolic house to this region, even as a sending center for this region and for the world, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that there would be such traction and breakthrough to seeing transformation um, within the families that are here, within this community, and within the nations abroad in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I just see missionaries coming out of this, this place. I see new ministries being birthed out of this place, even to the homeless, even to those that have been um, uh, got caught up in, 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 in not only drug addiction, but I see even a thing with, with, with women that are uh, caught in human trafficking. I believe there's some people here, there may be somebody here even tonight where God has spoken to your heart specifically about that. I just believe that God wants to encourage you to go after that. He's with you. Father, I just thank you again for all that you're doing. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to share. I've gone three minutes over. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was trying to land the plane, Pastor. Uh, Hallelujah. So I know at the, at the end that there's a time for prayer, yeah. right? So I, I just want to, before I leave today, if there's anybody here that ha, is personally struggling with any form of mental illness and or they have a family member or a friend, um, I've just begun from my own testimony, I begin to see breakthrough in that as I've prayed with others. If you need healing of any kind, and I also felt... Um, uh, specifically, God's been beginning to challenge my heart to contend for those that have been diagnosed with incurable diseases. And so we begin to see traction as that. So I just want to encourage you, if, if there's any need of, of any kind, I would love to pray for you. I'm sure there's a ministry team here. But I believe, you know, God is present to heal. You know, and he's here and he's with us. And so uh, maybe before we end the service, there'll be opportunity to pray and minister. So. God bless you, and thank you for allowing me to share today. Thank you, Pastor. So good. Aren't you so glad Daniel came today? So if you would stand, prayer team, come on up. People will be ready to pray on either side, here up front and, and in back as well. Daniel, if you'll stay up here too, um, you can get prayer with anyone up here. If, if something Daniel said, he called out, um, that's you, come and get prayer. Maybe your sick and body need prayer. Maybe there's other needs you've come in the room with. Maybe you know you are far from God and you know 
He is calling your name. Come and receive prayer from any of these folks. Daniel called out for specific things too. So let's take some time to worship God. Um, and then let's take time to respond to him too. Also for some of you, just you're stirred up for evangelism. Come, take a step out of where you're at and just pray with someone. Put that before the Lord and see what happens as you pray. But let's take some time to respond to God. Amen.
the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your good oh let us become become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness your goodness
you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're going we're gonna to change things up a little bit. Communion is such an important part of what we do as a body. And I don't want to give it short shrift by rushing it. Because I feel like there's still prayer that's happening and needs to happen. I think there's probably some more people that are just kind of waiting to get prayer for things to be freed up. So we're going to do communion next week so we can do it properly and not interrupt what God's doing right now. We're not going to formally end the service today. We're just going to keep worshiping. So there's time to get prayer. There's time to get ministry. Um, respond to God. And if you need, as you need to go, you feel free to go. But let's not interrupt what God's doing because I feel like there's a flow of something happening up here. Um, if you're sitting far enough back, you may not feel the flow. So you might need to come up here to, to get in the flow. But I encourage you, if, if there's needs in your heart or, or you need prayer or God's stirring you up, Take some time, right, at this time of worship. Come and respond. If you've got to go, God bless you. Um, but let's, let's, take, let's take another few minutes, um, if you can, and let's, let's not interrupt what God's doing. Again, receive ministry if you need it. If you've got to go, God bless you.
our gaze. We lift our gaze. We lift our gaze. Come on, sing. We lift our gaze. 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 Oh, we lift our gaze. We lift our gaze. We lift our gaze.
voice trembles at his voice how great
worship to Him. Even as holy, holy, worthy. Great are you, God. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy. Thank you, God. So worthy. You're so worthy. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your healing. Take root. Thank you for your healing. my heart. 
waiting for prayer there's time to get prayer we do have something we have to do before we go though um and it's exciting the rest of our carpet's coming in tomorrow Woo! i know we're all being respectful because you're so rare, but super exciting but that also means we need to move all these chairs to the back where the new carpet already is we need to move this stuff behind the stairwell and then with pastor Alyssa's instruction we need to move these speakers off the floor 
so we're ready for the carpet. So if everyone can take a chair as you go, and then if you're strong, if you could take a few and then help us with the other stuff, that'd be awesome. But really, prayer's the most important thing. So get prayer if you still need it. But as you're leaving, if you know that's our goal, we can start. You can talk with Alan. He knows exactly what we're doing. <laughs>